goals of our vineyard. Goals of our vineyard. The story we started with was in John chapter 2 where Jesus turned water into wine. And this is actually where we're going to end this whole sermon series. We've been constantly reflecting on a vineyard paralleling with a believer's life. And this is, this is it. Where Jesus started turning water into wine, we're returning back to that of what happens in that moment. John chapter 2 verse 8 through 11 says, Then he told them, Now draw out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from. Though the servants who had drawn the water knew, then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have served the best Saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. That last verse packs such a punch. And it's really easy to overlook. Because we, we just realized, you know, we just saw this crazy miracle where he turns water to wine, which we explained in the first week of what that represents. But then all of a sudden, it ends with what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. And we're going to jump into the disciples believing him. It's kind of interesting. The Bible points out that all of a sudden the disciples now believed in him, which what were they doing before? This was the first sign, meaning this is the first miracle. And this is when he chose to reveal his glory, which God's glory had been hidden up till this point. There's three things that got unpacked because this vineyard produced this great wine. Remember, it's, it's a symbol of us. As we go through the steps of being a vineyard and illustrating of how we live our lives as a believer, all of a sudden three things happen because of that. There's signs, God's glory is revealed, and disciples believe in him. Those are three things. That's, those are our three goals as we are a vineyard, as this represents us in our, our walk. That's, that's what we're shooting for. It's not just church by church or denomination by That's all of us in this together. That's all of our three goals. That's it. The first one, signs. Signs. Everyone wants signs and wonders, typically, but we don't really sometimes know what signs and wonders are. It's like, I want signs and wonders. Yeah. <laughs> I can't define it, but I want it because it's talked about in the Bible. Um, I, my wife and I, we, we used to have um, the yearly pass to Disneyland uh, when it was like on the cheap. Do you remember when you didn't have to um, you know, mortgage like five houses to get a year pass? <laughs> It was, it, was so, it was so inexpensive. We were able to do it, you know, really cheap. We've been to Disneyland, how many times would you say? A lot. An embarrassing amount. Easily more than 100. Probably more than 200 times. Somewhere around there. In one year. <laughs> 
we would go we'd go every day off because we lived right next to it we just you could just go for the afternoon enjoy one ride come back and i don't think our entire times or amount of times we went to disneyland there's this on you're going on the i-5 and there's this massive sign that says disneyland it just says disneyland right i don't think i've ever seen a family on the freeway standing there in all their excitement dancing between cars because they felt like they arrived at Disneyland because they're underneath a sign that says Disneyland, right? They passed the sign to go to Disneyland. And a lot of times as believers, we're trying to shoot for the sign rather than the main attraction. And a lot of times we can get stuck with trying to find the sign when in reality a sign is to project us to go towards what God is really trying to do. And so oftentimes we don't really know what signs are and we fail to find them because we're just trying to find a sign and God's like, mm, I'm not going to give you a sign because you're trying to find the sign and you're not trying to find me. Signs will just pop up naturally if you're searching for me. Signs. Signs. Acts chapter 4 verse 29 through 30 says, now, Lord, Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. See, our, our end goal in our Vineyard series is to have goals. It's to have something come about being a believer. It's to demonstrate signs of wonders of who God is. Our end goal isn't the sign. Our end goal is to bring Jesus to people. But signs will happen. And in order to understand that, we have to know what signs are. In this verse, in Acts 4, it says the first aspect is your mouth. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word. Speak it. Signs come about from your mouth. When you're able to speak the word of God, signs will happen. It's like, well, I want to see signs happen. Well, have you, have you put scripture to heart and proclaimed the word of God over your life? Have you spoken the word of God over sickness and disease and seen it vanquished because the son of God has power and authority over it? Or have we just wished like a genie? No, it's about proclaiming, utilizing your mouth to speak the word of God will bring transformation. Your mouth. Signs will happen because your mouth is proclaiming the word of God. Second aspect is B, your boldness. Consider the threats, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. It's one thing to be timid and shy and scared and nervous and complacent and comfortable. And it's one thing to be bold about it. Signs will happen because you're bold. God, I'm going to stand firm on this and I don't care. I don't care what everyone else says and everyone else thinks. I'm just going to be bold. Man, God loves bold believers. God loves bold believers because bold believers will stand by faith and not be shaken and signs and wonders will follow. I will go past every single obstacle because I'm going to be bold in this. Signs happen because we're bold. 
Now, Lord, again, it's verse eight, one more time. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. The third is your hands. More importantly, your hands represent actions. Your hands represent physically doing something. It's saying, you know what? Not only do I think it, not only do I say it, not only am I bold, but I'm going to do an action to prove that I believe what I'm actually doing. I'm going to step out in faith and go and do this. There's one thing to walk past someone in the grocery store who looks like they're just struggling all kinds of struggle. You know, they're just there. They look like they're having a miserable time. And it's one thing to say in your mind, God, I just proclaim that they're going to be healed. And you start proclaiming the scripture in your mind. But it's another thing to be bold and say, can I, can I pray with you today? All of a sudden, there's a boldness and there's an action item with it. And again, <clears throat> your end goal is not to see a sign of wonder happen because it's going to be like, oh, wow, look what I did. That's danger zone. Don't, don't do that. Your end goal is to see the power and authority of God transform that person's life and to see the kingdom of God expand by a soul. That's, that's what it's about. Our end goal is not the Disneyland sign that's sitting above the freeway. It's not to see a miracle happen in, in it. Oh, man, I feel so good about myself. Look what I did. That's, you'll get in trouble. Because it will be about your kingdom and not his kingdom. What's, what's a kingdom without a king? It's dumb. It's dumb. You, you just minus off the letters. You get what I mean there. Pastor humor. Hello. I was <laughs> right. What? Your hands. Your hands. Because if it's about your kingdom, it's going to fail. It, it, your pride will build you up so much before you have a great fall, and it'll just end horribly. It's all about God. Your signs will point to God. Second aspect that Jesus brought about in turning the water to wine and ends with, it says, it talks about God's glory. Our end goal is God's glory. Our end goal is to bring about the glory of God. Our vineyard, every aspect of our life is to bring about God's glory to this planet. That's it. That, that, that's our goal. It's to bring about signs and wonders for other people to be pointed towards Jesus but then the second aspect is to bring about the glory of God. <clears throat> God's glory always has three agendas. To prove and test if God's glory is part of our vineyard's work. We need these three things. Hebrews 1, 3 says this. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe of the word by the word of his power. That imagery is just so strong. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. 
God's glory has three agendas. A, <clears throat> the power of God. It's demonstrated in the scripture. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. God's glory is the power of God. Can't be rivaled, can't be contested. It's, it's funny, when you talk to a child and you ask, like, who's, who's um, the villain in the story? Like, who, who could, who's the opposite of Jesus? And, you know, kids will say, it's Satan. No, <laughs> not even close. Nothing can rival Jesus. Jesus. Jesus has all authority, all power, all glory. Satan isn't even a blip on his race. Satan is said to be below our heels, not even God's heels. He's like, <laughs> no. He's so beneath me, my creation can step on him. That's a, no, no rival. God's glory, A, the power of God, B, listen to this back in the verse, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power after making purification for sins. The second aspect of God's glory is always tested by the grace of a Savior. The grace of a Savior. God's glory should always have his full power and should always show the grace of Jesus. If it doesn't show those two things up front, it might not be the glory of God. If we're not seeing Jesus' grace show up, I don't know what we're looking at. Should have the full power of God, the grace of Jesus, and see, the glory belongs to one. We know that because it says, after making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. There ain't any other seats there. There is one chair reserved for one God. The glory of God is not shared with anyone else. What do I mean by that? Because when we show up and we see signs and wonders and we do all these other things, the glory belongs all to Jesus and it's not us at all. Because the moment we show up and say, man, look at this. I prayed for this person. I saw them. I did this and I did. You better check that eye before God deals with you as idol, as an idol, idolatry, idol. Idolatric, idolatric worship. Idolatrist, thank you. There we go. I knew there was an ending I was missing. <laughs> Team effort, guys. Team effort. The glory belongs to one, and we're not it. Everything we do, when we bring the glory of God to this planet because we're living our lives out, is to showcase God not ourselves, not our giftings, not our skills. It's all about God. We don't share that throne with him. I don't want to share that throne with him. I'm too irresponsible being a human. God is perfect. It's all about him. And number three, this one's kind of interesting. It says the disciples' belief. This kind of threw me for um, a loop on this one. Because you have to like drop yourself into the disciples' shoes for a moment 
Um, meaning they were following a random guy around up to this point because he said, hey, follow me. And they're like, oh, okay. No miracles had been done. Nothing crazy has gone on except for a guy showed up and said, can you follow me? And they're like, I guess. But you, ha you have to understand where they're at. The reason why these guys said yes was because they felt like failure up to this point. Did you know the reason why they're fishermen was because they failed out of school? They were said, the school told them, we don't accept you to be wise enough to follow a rabbi. Every single little boy had to go through school, and at some point, if they couldn't cut it, they had to leave the school because they were not allowed to follow and be accepted by a rabbi. So they're sitting there, rejected by humanity, and they're just doing life to survive. And all of a sudden, a rabbi walks up and says, hey, follow me, I accept you. You, you have to realize their heart all of a sudden broke, saying, wait, oh, you're the first rabbi who's ever accepted me for who I am? You have to realize that there's so much more at play here, and it's such a current era philosophy. Everyone who's following him has been rejected by everybody except for Jesus. And I've been in those shoes. We've all been in those shoes where Jesus said, I accept you when no one else will. My blood has paid for your sin and I accept you fully. Jesus showed up and accepted them and they followed him blindly with this audacious faith that was built on nothing except for acceptance. That's all the transaction that took place up to this point. And they're like, yes, we'll follow you because no one else has asked us. <laughs> and they're following. And then you have, to, you have to be in this room and you have to imagine Jesus showing up and he takes water and they see the water and it's trans transformed into wine. And they're like, hold up. What just happened? I was following this guy who is a rabbi, but all of a sudden I'm realizing, and their mind is slowly turning, realizing this isn't just a rabbi who accepted me because he had no other students. This rabbi is the son of God, and their mind is completely changed in this moment. And they're like, I was going to follow you because we're just traveling around our little hometown, but now I'll follow you to the ends of the earth. There's a transition that happens. And that's the same transition we need to have as believers. See, it's, it's one thing to be accepted by Jesus, and it's another thing to say, I will follow you to the ends of the earth. See, it, it's, are we following after Jesus, or are we causing others to follow after him too? Because that's what's happening here. The disciples' belief. See, these people went from following and watching to preaching and performing miracles. And it all started by A, spending time with Jesus. 
they could not have transitioned from following blindly into leading by example unless they spent time with Jesus. They physically spent all their time with Jesus. They walked around. They ate together. They, they camped out together. They talked. They, they, they spent all their time with Jesus. What is our ratio of life and life spent with Jesus? I would say my, my ratio at some times is pathetically low. You know, have you ever done that math time? Spending time with Jesus transitions. You're just following after Jesus into a hardcore belief, and you'll see others follow after Jesus because they see you following after Jesus. Follow me as I follow Jesus. That's our goal. But it all starts with spending time with Jesus. Be <clears throat> following Jesus wherever he led them. See, it's one thing to spend time with Jesus when it's convenient, but it's another thing to follow, to spend time with Jesus when he wants to lead you where you do not want to go. Saying, Jesus, I want to spend time with you. And he goes, well, I want to spend time with you too, but I'm walking this way. Are you coming with me? Oh, Okay. Yes. It's, it's saying, God, I, I wanna, I'll follow you through thick, through thin, through tough times, through good times. Because he wants to grow you, and he wants to grow the people around you. And see, obeying Jesus relentlessly. Obeying Jesus relentlessly. If you, if you question your faith and your belief and you're just having a hard time, this, this, this is for you. Obey Jesus relentlessly. When you feel that still small nudge, listen to it and obey it and see what Jesus is going to do. Don't test him. Don't have the attitude of, well, well, we'll see if Jesus shows up. No, Jesus is here already. It's really, are you going to show up? Do you have faith? Do you have expectancy? Are you ready for Jesus to move? Because he's here already. There is no place on this planet that he is absent from. He's here. Are you going to show up? Is your belief going to enact the signs and wonders and bring about the glory of God? Let's pray.